So y'all went to Bruce last night, huh? Yeah, that was my fourth time. Is that Robert. it? For some reason, I had it in my head I, that you'd I seen him like, like 15 times. Yeah, this was Robert's second, but both of them was this year because I made him go see him in Atlanta earlier on the same floor. I hope I someday get to see him again. I saw him several years ago. Um, you know, it was it was a wonderful experience. It was everything I hoped it would be. Uh, I, I do hope that uh, I get a chance to, yeah, to I, see, him, see him again. I'm on that like... If he ever tours again, I will go to you every. Go. Yep. Like it's just until he's until he's gone, I'm just going to all of them because I, mean, I missed the Wrecking Ball tour. I was at school and I didn't have money, and I missed Springsteen on Broadway, and I'm like, I'm never missing any of that again. See, and what I love about him though is every time you go, it's a different show. Exactly. You know, that's he's going to open I, with the same thing and close with the same thing, but, but everything in, between, in the middle is different. Yeah, that's that's yeah, worth. And he mentioned Robbie Robertson, who had just passed, obviously. Because on this tour, he sings a couple of his songs that he wrote for band members who've passed. Oh, okay. And he tributes. He does a tribute to them at the end. Mm -hmm. And this time, he added Robbie Robertson to the list. Oh, that's sweet. Passed, so it was really. Oh man, that sounds like an incredible night. I'm, I'm moment. super duper jealous. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil, Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 311 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie loving podcast of the Matinee.ca. Your home. For cinematic passion and perspective. It's August, in case you hadn't noticed. And August is always a really funny time at the movies. Even though it's still summer and people are still taking vacations and out of school, studios don't really know what to put in theaters. They hold off on some of the biggest titles because there's a fear they won't make enough money. They also hold back on prestige pictures because they still want them to be in the top of mind come year end. So what we usually get is a strange little potluck of mid-card movies that studios don't entirely know what else to do with. It's a weird approach. It kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, but that doesn't mean that August is a cinematic wasteland. Sixth Sense, Scott Pilgrim, The Fugitive, Usual Suspects, Iron Giant, these are all August releases. The trick is to look closer, and when it comes to that, there are few people better than my guest today. She is one of the best critics and curators working with a keen eye on representation and women in film. She's been a supporter of this little pop shop of mine almost since its beginning, and I'm so happy she could make some time here today. I could tell you where she is, but it's a very long list. We have a quick show to get to. Mariah E. Gates is here direct from Chicago. How are you, Mariah? I'm good. I can't believe this is episode 311. That's so many episodes. <laughs> yeah. I'm really impressed. I'm really, yeah. really impressed. Thank you. It's, I mean, and the, the funny thing is there are little side tangents into film festivals and there was a, a side series that I was doing through pandemic. So I think I've turned on my mic somewhere in the neighborhood of 450 times. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a little bit bananas, but I'm, I'm really That's happy. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy that I still get to do it, that people care. Um, I'm, I'm really thrilled that people like you keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people fun. that are one and done. Um, today on episode 311, we're going to do a shorter show. It's end of summer and we're trying to get these things out as fast as we can uh, before TIFF and before the end of the season of this matinee cast. Um, so we're going to just, uh, discuss the film at uh present and the film at present is shortcomings ain't no sunshine when she's gone it's not warm when she's away ain't no sunshine when she's gone and she's always gone too long anytime she goes away 
Shortcomings is directed by Randall Park. It's written by Adrian Tamin based on his graphic novel. It stars Justin H. Min, Sherry Cola, Ali Mackey, and others. Shortcomings is the tale of Ben, that's Min, a film nerd and indie cinema manager living in San Francisco. Ben has living been dating. In Berkeley. Living Berkeley. Berkeley. Represent. Very Sorry. Important I, this is, yeah. We, <laughs> see, I knew I was going to get called on that. <laughs> ben has been dating Miko, that's Maki, for quite some time, and their relationship has hit a bit of a speed bump. Why? Well, why do these things ever happen? People change, people can't express their true feelings, etc., etc., etc. It's around this time that Miko is offered an internship in New York that she decides to take, ultimately putting their relationship on pause and sending Ben back into dating life, which goes about as well as you'd expect for a depressed, bitter, and suddenly single gent. While his bestie Alice tries her best to be his wingman and his lass in the chair, even she cannot save Ben from himself, and ultimately she hops off to New York herself in search of some fresh perspective. All of this leads to some madcap hijinks as Ben's fissure with Miko is finally laid bare and he must confront her and himself. Shortcomings is a film that debuted at the Sundance International Film Festival earlier on this year, and Sundance darlings tend to have a strange uh, life when they go out into the world. For every one Little Miss Sunshine, there are about 17 different tadpoles. So let's start there. Pop quiz hotshot. When we talk about film in general, and when we talk about film on this show, we are kind of grading on a curve. You know, we're not necessarily judging something like past lives by the same lens that we're judging something like Oppenheimer for obvious reasons. What do we expect from a Sundance film and specifically a Sundance comedy? This is what I expect from a Sundance comedy, to be honest. It's, it's a small <laughs> cast. Okay. It's tight characters. It's... um not a big budget like gonna be four quadrant kind of movie it's made for a specific audience sure sure might break out a little bit yeah you know but for the most part most of these sundance comedies know that they have a very specific audience they want to talk to and they want to represent and what's funny about this film is it's also in interrogating that idea of what how a film represents a people Mm -hmm. and how it and how you know, people like us will be like, oh, this film represents all X, you know, right? And then one person in that group is like, this does not represent me. And that's Justin H. Min's character in this, yeah. who is a big curmudgeon about all the sort of wave of Asian representation or Asian American specifically representation in cinema in the last decade. Um, but he gets a nice little comeuppance, like the, the book ending of, um, I think we didn't mention her, but... Um, Oh, uh, Stephanie the, Sue. St- Stephanie Sue. There's like bookends with her that are like her and Ronnie. Amazing. Yeah, her and Ronnie yeah. Chang are in this so very like not so subtle knockoff of Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Um, and called Just Because, and yeah. it's the film that Miko has directed. Uh, that that you know she is she's I think de- she's programmed it. Yeah, she's she she's she has something. To, yeah, she has something to do with it. She is she's very very um close to this particular production and she uh and it's been shown and when we see it at the beginning at this like film festival or this cinematech that it has its its uh presentation the audience is lapping it up and ben is just like 
Huh. You know, like, like you, Ben is Ben is kind of yeah. that guy. He's not impressed, and he's he's basically playing the "this is not my experience" on the screen card. Um, yeah, and and th- then we think we're done with it, uh, but we do come back to it, like you say, this bookend uh, at the end of the film, which I thought was actually a really lovely touch. Yeah, with the little the little old lady, and he he realizes that. Just because he doesn't feel represented doesn't mean somebody doesn't feel represented. And I think that's yeah. the sort of the thing you have to juggle, juggle with when you're looking at film through a lens of representation. You shouldn't talk about it as if it represents everybody, but you also shouldn't talk about it as if if you don't feel represented, it doesn't represent somebody. Yeah. Um, and I think the film does a really great job of not just with the bookends, but throughout the entire um, plot and his sort of arc or un. Not, I don't call it an anti-arc, but it's almost an anti-arc because he really doesn't want to grow up. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I, there are a few critics who really didn't like the character because of that. But I think, the, I think what's interesting for me in this film is that Ben doesn't really change all that much. He, his change is very micro. Everyone around him mm-hmm. just gives up and says, you know what, I'm, we're going to go live our lives now. And and so it's sort of an anti uh, coming of age because he doesn't really come of age. He just sees what happens when he, when other people leave him behind, basically. I mean, there's a teeny just, bit, there's a teeny bit of growth, but it's really late. It's yeah. really, really late. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the, the credits are almost rolling by the time he grows. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really good. I also think it's fascinating that Justin H. Min's only other feature film is After Yang because they are such different characters, such different performances, mm. like so much range. He plays an android in After Yang. Yeah, I mean, Justin, Justin Min, he's he's an actor that I'm really interested to see what else he does going forward because he has a very expressive face. Yes. Um, you know, he he kind of has he has eyes like garage doors. He he wears this not quite a hangdog expression, but a very little sad boy expression an yeah. awful lot. Um, even when even when sometimes he's being really feisty and you know and arguing which he argues in this movie a lot like that that i think is probably the the really great thing about his performance is for how generally unlikable ben is you still want to stay with it you know like there there's a lot of actors out there that if you handed them this part you would just want to shut them up after 10 minutes he makes it compelling, even though he's kind of an anti-hero. He, oh, yeah. he he is a he's a dick, and everyone tells him that to his face. And he, I think, kind of knows it and is like proudly a curmudgeon. Like he's really proud about being anti. Part of me um, thinks he doesn't know. Part of me, like that. That's the thing is that there's sometimes where it's like you know you're being antagonistic. Part of me thinks he is just that dumb. Yeah, I mean, there is that one scene. Where after his friend Alice has moved to New York and he brings up a private joke Mm -hmm. in a time where you should not like bring up the private joke and it does not land well with her new lady friend. No. And then she gives him a look of like, that was between us. And and you watch it and you're like, oh, no, he really thinks to your point, he really thinks he was being funny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Really? He was like, this was a this was like inside humor. (laughs) Yeah, we are not in the we're not in the no. friend bubble anymore. No, we're we are in mixed company, dude. You know, yeah, there's was, a there's a way great. that we talk at brunch, and then there's a way that we talk when we're at dinner with other people, and they're not the same. 
Yeah, it was, it was that part. Both times I've seen this movie, I was like, oh man. Yeah. That um, is hilarious. I sort of know the answer to this question, but I'm, I'm curious, especially now that you've seen it twice. What did you think of the movie overall? You know, the first time I watched it, I thought it was funny, like sporadically. Mm-hmm. And then I think they tightened the edit a bit between this, what I saw at Sundance and I watched it um, a week or two ago. And it was really funny the second time. Okay. Like, I think maybe the first time I really didn't like the Ben character at all. I was like, fuck this guy. I was like, I don't like him at all. Everyone deserves better. And then I watched it a second time. I'm like, oh, this movie doesn't want you to like him. Okay. And then, and then I was able to laugh at everything else that was happening because I realized I, I don't think the movie likes him either. I don't think the movie's on his side. I think the movie knows he's a, if he doesn't know he's, he's a jerk, the movie definitely does. Um, which, I appreciate it on a second watch. Whereas the first time I watched it, I was just like, why am I spending time with this person? It's, it's interesting because on the one hand I enjoyed it, you know, um, certainly for, you know, kind of what I was talking about off the top of the show about how it's August and the, the, the presentations right now are kind of a weird little mixed bag. Um, you know, I kind of look for something like this. Um, you know, I got my money's worth out of it. Um, I, I thought it was a, an, an interesting story and a good start for all involved. Uh, it's Randall Park's um, feature debut. I'm interested in like in his humor, in his writing. I think he's really, really a sharp voice. And I try to give allowances when it comes to a first film. Like, not every first film is going to be Lady Bird. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, so when it comes to that first one, it's like, can I see somewhere of where you're going? And he did bring up a lot of interesting things. I think that as he keeps going, he'll be a little bit better. Um, but for, yeah, for all said, and, all said and done, um, actually I quite enjoyed this movie a great deal. And I, I, there, obviously I corrected the San Francisco to Berkeley thing. That's, I loved that it was set in Berkeley cause I went to Berkeley and I lived there for four years and, um, quite a bit of the film is shot in Berkeley, including one of my favorite bookstores, Pegasus books. It, was, it they have a whole sequence where they're walking through it, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Ah, is that Pegasus?" And then I waited to the end to like check the filming locations, and I was like, "It is Pegasus." And um, so that always had makes you, me happy. Had you been to that diner it. that they're in a lot? Um, I I actually hadn't. And when I looked it up, I was like, "Dang, how did I miss this this whole time?" But <laughs> it's in a neighborhood that I used to go to because it's actually near another bookstore, Mo's Books. But I had never been to that diner, and I was like, "Well, shoot." But um, it is one of the few sort of Berkeley diners that's still a diner. A lot of Berkeley has changed, so it was nice to see. Like, this novel was written when I was in college, which is mm-hmm. wild. It was actually serialized uh, through McSweeney's originally, sure. which yeah. is, like, the most Bay Area thing you can say. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I wasn't aware of it when it came out. Although, hilariously, I did attend the uh, Bay Area Asian film festival it's asian american yeah. film festival yeah. um which is the film festival that it is satirizing okay um i'm i'm assuming i haven't read it but i'm assuming back when it was made like whatever the movie that they're aping was not that kind of movie because obviously that hadn't come out yet and really at that point there was a lot of like better luck tomorrow style right movies being programmed right. at that festival so i'm assuming that was probably what it was riffing on originally but don't take a word for it because i have not actually read the um the comic novel what's interesting that it got adapted like so much later is that uh 
when it came out, it got criticized by a lot of like Sandra O oh wrote like a whole like diss essay on it because she thought that um, the writer was too pessimistic about Asian American representation. Yeah, um, I mean that's which is fascinating. Yeah, that whole that that is something that this movie very much has on its mind. Uh, yeah. Like I, I I don't think you can't really escape it from scene to scene. I don't I don't think there's more than ten minutes of this movie that don't go by without talk of representation um, between Asian people, between Asian people and white people. Um, and even, you know, how he talks about other guys and what other guys are doing. And I remember just sitting there and kind of scratching my head and I'm like, I don't know if you're making a point or if you're just complaining because yeah. this seems unclear. You know, if I was watching a film by, if I was watching a film by Sandra Oh, or if I was watching a, a film by Margaret Cho, you know, like I would have a different opinion on how he's talking because I would hear them, you know, yeah. that, that was the thing, like watching, watching Ben speak the lines that I knew that, um, you know, uh, Adrian had written in his original comic, um, even though, of course, you know, Adrian is, a, is an Asian American. I'm like, I, I like, if I was at this table, I might be like, I'm going to go over here. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely find find the tension of his like combativeness really mm-hmm. interesting, especially because he won't listen to anybody else. Yeah. Like he feels like his gripes with representation should represent everyone's gripes or everyone should have the same gripes. What's interesting too is is the way the films he does watch are, you know, the Criterion collection. Yeah. Films, but he is like he watches an Ozu yeah. But then he's like watching, you know, the other kind of film bro-y kind of criterion discs. And it's like, it le- leads you to wonder, like, clearly she's a programmer for a festival. So she's probably seen the spectrum. Yeah. You're never clear how many, how many films has he actually seen? Yeah. By, that are representing the Asian American experience, right? Like we, it's unclear if he's actually given this festival a shot beyond this one film. Yeah. Know? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, and I mean, even when you look at, you know, I don't think that he was necessarily programming the 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 theater that he was working at, but I mean, even like you look at the poster what behind him. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, you guys are playing White Zombie three times this month. Yeah, you know, can, can you mix it up just a little bit? Um, yeah, it's yeah, it, the the film, it definitely has that broish stripe underneath it that I think we kind of saw a little bit earlier in um, I like movies, you know, when the, mm-hmm. when the two concession workers are behind the counter and they're having their little discussion of, Oh yeah, I totally know that Snowpiercer is a Willy Wonka um, sequel. I read the, I, I saw the Reddit thread and autumn, this new woman who's wants to work there and just, you know, make ends meet to put on yeah. her weird little, Art stuff, Slam which is dance. also like very Berkeley. very Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, that, have you seen shows like that? I, actually, yes, and I <laughs> I couldn't tell if it was or not, but there's this um something Gilman Street twenty two Gilman something like that is yeah. this like punk club art yeah. place, and I'm they either actually filmed it there or they were riffing on the kind of okay. art and performances that happen right there, right. which I thought was really fun. Yeah. When they, uh, very, that's the thing when she was, do, when autumn was doing her performances, I'm like, 
this feels a little too informed to just be pulled out of somebody's <laughs> yeah. head. Um, yeah, you know, probably. yeah. Like when Autumn tries to like, just like land a job, the two concession bros are like, "What are you into?" You know, like 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 they're quizzing yeah. her. I'm sure. I I am. Which which having worked at our house theaters in the Bay Area, that is is pretty. I was gonna say I am. Yeah. Like ninety nine percent certain, you have been subjected to that very conversation. Yeah, well, and, and probably still when, do. When I got hired, um, whenever I used to work at the Landmark Theaters in the, it was like a chain in the Bay Area, and uh, they have you put the last three movies you watched. So at the time, one of the last three movies I had watched was Babe Two, huh? and <laughs> and the that was the I think not the reason I got hired. They were hiring everybody, but. Um, they just they wanted a, a warm body to make popcorn, but the manager was like, "How? Tell me about Babe Two. I've I've always wanted to watch it, but I haven't watched it." And I was like, "Oh, well, here's what I think about Babe Two. And that was like the whole job interview. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love about it. Babe Two. Yeah. Um, but I will say that that theater is not a real theater. They filmed that I think in Queens. Okay. And unfortunately, so when I went to Berkeley at the time, there had to have been about twelve theaters that you could frequent in the East Bay and even more in the San Francisco, if you went in San Francisco. Um, and now there's like almost every theater in Berkeley proper is closed except like the Pacific Film Archive. Um, half it's, the theaters if yeah. not more in San Francisco have closed. It's really depressing. It's such a hard time for presentation right now. I mean, I think like we're going through that here as well. Um, you know, theaters, it's like what's open this month? You know, which, which theater is still running that hasn't been bought up by a, a cafe and editing house, you know, and, and, yeah. it, and it changes from year to year. Like, One of my favorite theaters in, in Berkeley, uh, they used to do the Midnights. It was called the Act 1 and 2, and it was, uh, it was called that because there was a theater at the top and a theater at the bottom. Yeah. And um, I was always the only young person there. It was always like middle-aged, like 50s plus kind hmm. of theater crowd, yeah. and that's they would do midnights there. That's the only time young people were there for the midnight screenings, but they also did like Wong Kar Wai and I saw um, breakfast on Pluto and like films like that there. And they closed cause landmark lost the, you know, like as often happens with movie theater places where the person who owns the building raises the rent too high for a theater to pay. And it's like, yeah. okay, this is a theater space though. What are you doing? Yeah. So they pushed them out. And then it got demolished, and now it's like a fake French bistro kind of thing. It's so horrible. And ever, I've walked by it a couple times, and I'm like, always like throw some fake flowers, you know, on the ground where it used to be because it right. was like truly my favorite movie theater, and very similar to the vibe of the theater that this um, was representing. And was <laughs> I wish I saw it, and I was like, this doesn't look like any of the theaters that were in, in, in Berkeley that are now closed. Yeah. But I was hoping maybe it was. And then when I saw it was a Queens theater, I was like, that because they're all closed. What did you make of this movie's consistently calling out a type? So we keep coming back to Ben always seems to have eyes for white, blonde, skinny girls and women. And at one point, like Miko even gets into a conversation with him because she stumbles across his porn and you know, his porn is the same sort of thing. It's all white, blonde, small. I didn't entirely know what to 
what to make of that. Yeah, okay, they called it out. They called it out repeatedly. But I'm like, what actually is the point here? Yeah, and then he calls out her dating a guy who, I can't remember the phrase they use, but it's an actual phrase to describe like white men who have a fetish. Rice king or something like that? But yeah, it's... That's what it is, Rice King, and I think it's 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 calling out. He's talking. He's complaining about representation in cinema, while at the same time having he has sort of in turn. I think a lot of times the this attraction to whiteness comes from internalized racism, especially if you're from if you're you know in America where so much of the sex symbols are white especially white women white blonde women are like the thing right and so um i think what the film is trying to show is that he doesn't like the representation in in cinema but without representation in cinema you end up with that internalized racism that then becomes a fetish for white women right i mean at one point he even actually articulates it out loud because he like they're in this flea market and he he keeps thinking he's catching looks he probably isn't but he keeps thinking he's catching looks and you know when um when the girl that he's dating is like so what do you think the looks mean and he goes i don't know maybe some of them mean good for him Exactly. And so I think I think it that's what it's trying to explore is the tension between somebody who hates representation when representation is one of the only ways to get out of that cycle of of uh, internalized racism yeah. that, that happens, especially in America, where for as you know, with the American films, like hundred years of it practically has been whiteness is what you go for. Whiteness right. is the is the ideal. Same with, you know, advertising and, and every magazines. Sure. Like yeah. you don't see yourself and so you see this other thing as the ideal. And I think what it's trying to explore is he doesn't even realize this about himself, even though he knows the concepts. He doesn't realize that those concepts are represented in him. Um So do you think I don't know I don't Do you know think really the film really... sticks the landing on that though? Like I mean, you explaining it to me, uh first of all, thank you. Because you made it no, so think... much clearer than I the, the movie did in 90 minutes. Yeah, I definitely think it's a movie where it doesn't I think it's a movie that it expects you to know this. And right. which is I think fair. Um yeah. you know, like I was reading uh, uh, a thing about uh not that this is equivalent to Daughters of the Dust, but I was reading a thing about Daughters of the Dust and how a lot of um at the time when it first came out, there were a lot of complaints of like why don't you explain more about this culture and um she's like look it up you know yeah. like, look it up yourself well, I mean, this it's, world already exists i mean so what I, what's I, what's further to that and kind of bringing it back to what's happening in this movie is i remember a few summers ago when crazy rich asians was happening mm-hmm. that beautiful um climactic scene where she's playing mahjong with her uh you know yeah intended's mother yeah. and she is playing cards and like she's playing her tiles in a way that she basically throws her hand. And I remember just days later, there was a wonderful piece and I will find it and put it in the show notes if people want to read it that Mm -hmm. talked about the symbolism within that scene, like right down to the tiles that she's got in that movie. I thought to myself, I'm I I know there is something here that I am not grasping and that's on me and I will find this out for myself. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's the thing. Like that movie stuck that. This movie I feel like it's just one step shy. I like yeah. I understand that's that's kind of why I asked you. Like 
yeah, they keep calling out a type, and you're right. It's they're probably trying to get to internalized racism, but I feel like there was one more sentence that needed <laughs> like to be made. It's missing. Yeah, yeah. It's a critique of this movie on its own merits. I still, you know, enjoyed it for what it is, and I still yeah. want people to see it. But it's like listening to all of this and you know hearing them talk over and over. And I mean, he they're right. Like they are not wrong at all. Every, every woman that he goes for in this movie is small and blonde and cute and bubbly l- much probably like what he is, you know, is the ideal. Yeah. 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 Or um, internalizes the ideal. Yeah. yeah. But I feel, I, I wanted a conclusion, you know, like mm. the, the essay was pretty good, but I wanted a conclusion paragraph. Yeah. I do think the end of the film could have like, it kind of Peters just in general as a film, it pe- the ending is kind of Peters a little bit. Yeah, with him, with him on the airplane. Yeah, I, th- there's there's that as as a starting point. Um, I mean, it feels like same sort of thing. It feels like it could have had a conclu- another conclusion. It did not help matters that I kept thinking an awful lot about past lives mm. in this movie. Like, like that that the this movie's timing is kind of bad because past lives it doesn't do what this movie does. Like they are very very different stories. But there's a few common threads and past lives like really tightly sews up all of those threads. Mm-hmm. So that was an that was just uh, you know an, an unfortunate bit of timing. Um, we have as well um, his wingman Alice. What did you yeah. what did you make of of Sherry Cola, Sherry, Sherry Cola so in that funny. role? I actually didn't see her other movie um, Joyride yet, so I'm no, she's having she's having a big summer. Um, but. She's just so funny. She's so funny. That's that's about it. That's like her, her, she's a great foil, comic foil to him. Like she reminded me of if this was um, when Harry met Sally, she's, um, she's Bruno Kirby. She's Bruno Kirby. Like, she's so <laughs> funny. And he's such, such a curmudgeon. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, you know, she's just like, you know what? I'm going to go live my life. I, you're, you're, you're bothering me. Which the, her arc, I think, is also really fun in that she has a similar expectation put on her as an Asian American. Uh, her parents are making her go to grad school or like she, they're not making her, but they are. In they that. expect her. Yeah. It's yeah. That. And like I, I had several friends who like I had a friend who got a whole degree that she doesn't use anymore because <laughs> that's what her dad wanted. And he was first generation and, or she was first generation born here. And then she just did what her dad wanted her to do. And so I, that felt really, I was like, wow, but that she is able to finally realize, you know what? Like, no. And, and is brave enough to make that big, big change in a way that he's not even able to do. Is yeah. It's a beautiful contrast, great. right? Cause yeah. they're, they're, you know, I mean, it makes sense that they're a match pair because they're very much in this, similar track i mean the big difference is that he's in a relationship and cohabitating with miko at the start of things um but i mean it's not like he's not that much further along yeah uh, you know he just he you know he splits rent is basically where yeah. he has it over alice but yeah i i loved her in this movie i really loved her when she's being funny um mm-hmm. she's 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 really really sharp but i even loved her when she's you know, when she's calling him out, like she is one of the ones who calls him out on always being into the white girls. Definitely when he shows up in New York and he starts um, making her life difficult, like you said, yeah. he starts throwing around brunch talk in mixed company. Um, yeah. That was where I thought, like, I'm like, I really want to see her 
do more because she's really, really sharp. Yeah, she's definitely on my like next time she's in a movie, I'm like, I know she'll be good. Yeah. Um and I mean the other thing that really jumped out for me was there's a really great conversation between Ben and Alice and her new partner in New York, Emma, where Emma basically just schools his ass on everything, right? Like he's had this whole Asian people dating white people conversation go on like two or three times over in this movie. And she finally is, she's the one like as somebody who he doesn't really know. She's the one who's like, you know, I understand that you have opinions and that it's your lived experience, but it is not a, you as a cis het male are not the only person who has a say in this. Yeah. That yeah. I thought was a really good inclusion. Yeah. She's a sharp, sharp character. Um, she's got her whole life together, which I think is the other thing that's kind of fun about Ben and Alice is they're both still kind of in post-college limbo. Yeah. They're, they're still Miko, hitting the snooze button. Yeah. Miko's ready for like, a real life and Ben's not. And, and, uh, Alice's girlfriend has that life set. Like she, I like when they, he shows up at her apartment and she's like, it's nice, right? It's like an adult lives here. Yeah. And, and, um, she needed that sort of stability. And I like that in every time she speaks, she, you know, she's already done the work and she's already comfortable with who she is and where she's going in life. And, and it's going to be great for Alice because Alice can get on track. Ben needs something, something or somebody like that to like get him on track. Yeah. I feel like, and he's, he's just not, he's not ready. Yeah. It's, it. it's an amazing performance by that's, um, I called her Emma. It's Meredith. That's, uh, Sonia yes. Mizuno. Um, people might know her. I mean, she was on house for a while. Um, I know her from ex machina. She was one of the people in annihilation. She was in men. She, she shows up in Alex Garland things a lot, oddly enough. Um, but yeah, her, she's, she's got a great performance mm-hmm. in a film. I saw at Sundance last year. What's it called? Called, called am I okay with Dakota Johnson? They're, um, the, they're like besties in it. I will have and, to look for this. Um, it's not, ever gonna come out as far as i know like hbo max bought it okay right before zaslav oh, took over and right. it's one of those movies that hasn't been killed but it hasn't been released either oh, it's shit. been almost two years it, can't, it and i'm like where is this movie it's a great film okay. i'm really glad i saw it but i'll 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 add it to my letterbox watch list and, and if just it ever hope. shows if it ever if they ever let it go and give it to somebody else so it'll actually play like just give it to hulu or something that yeah. to do with it like yeah. please it's a, it's a great film. Yeah, she's fantastic you. in it. Yeah, so I mean, that's that that that's most of this movie is is you know Ben kind of trying to trying to grow up, like trying to get the grown up apartment, trying to come to grips with his identity. I don't think he's really explored it very much. I mean, there's he's supposed to be a filmmaker. He talks in the bookstore with with um, you know with, with the 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 bisexual woman who he met at a party. He goes, he goes to a party completely stocked, chock-a-block full of queer girls. And he finds the one bisexual girl there. Like, yeah. you know, well done. Um, and, but like he talks about how he just didn't 
find his voice. He made a short because he thought he knew what he was doing. And of course he didn't know what he was doing because none of us know what we're doing right away. Yeah. And and then he, he ends. I mean, that what, what saddened me, like she talks about how that is a really sad thing to hear for herself. What saddened me was watching him try to write, you know, like he can't even get past like exterior day. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, Oh guy, you really need to, you need to do what the women in your life have done. You need to go somewhere actually live some life yeah live some life hit a restart button and find where you want to be and i mean that that's in the movie as as kind of spotty i don't even want to call it messy it's not even really a messy movie but there's moments that are spotty as spotty as it is it's got some great stuff in it yeah yeah it's a good first movie i I feel like oh yeah yeah i definitely want to i mean i want to read the i definitely want to read the comic i want to see more by by randall park like for you know sometimes you never know what you're going to get when a comedian directs because they're like i want to get behind the camera like okay um so yeah i i I enjoyed that and yeah there's there's a lot to really kind of latch onto. certainly sherry cola i want to see more by her this is only the second real major part by Justin Min. Um, yeah. Was there anything else about this movie? Like I've been talking a lot. Was there anything else about no, this? No, I think we've hit okay. all the marks. So the we end every matinee cast um, new slang with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. Um, Mariah, I Gates. would like to imagine that Berkeley still has an art house movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want to live in a world where that, like those seats look were, plush. It I've been to so a lot amazing. of art house. I've been to a lot of art house field where my yeah. butt is just like screaming at the end of the movie. Yeah, those those seats nice look seats. cush. I mean, that's a real theater somewhere in Queens, I think. So yeah. you can always visit it. We'll but go there. I would like to pretend that there is an actual art house movie theater in gotcha. Berkeley, and that there are still people like working at them and okay. I I want to go to the diner where he goes on his date because they looked like they were drinking some really good margaritas Mm -hmm. and I bet you they were like really fresh. It looks like that kind of diner. Yeah. That's that's what I want. Yeah. That sounds good. We rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Mariah Gates, what do you give shortcomings? I would say probably a two and a half. Which is what I like yeah. to call a mixed positive. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's a war it's a warm two and a half, right? Like yeah. you know, we're not saying run out and see it. We are saying see it. It's spotty, but it's it's definitely got a lot of interesting things. It's handsome. Uh, it'll make you want to go to Berkeley and New York. Um, yeah. It'll make you like you know, like Mariah's saying, it'll make you want to go to your indie art house theater and and as you should be doing anyway. As you should you be doing, one. yeah. Buy but, some popcorn while you're there, even okay. if you don't eat it. Um, what do you think of shortcomings? Let me know, Ryan at the matinee.ca. Um, I'm still on Twitter. You can find me in the usual places. Um, and uh, let me know what you think of this movie. We are going to do a quick other side. Um, and I wanted to know, like, I, there there's a lot of thumbprints of a lot of other movies on this mm-hmm. film. Where do you think people could go to after this movie that I would was, make a good companion? I was going to recommend Always Be My Maybe. Oh, yeah. Which Randall Park co-wrote with Ali Wong. And um, it's it's set in the Bay Area, but it's actually it was like Vancouver for San Francisco. Of course. So, you know, as they do. But um, it's a funny movie. Obviously, it's got the great Keanu as himself, <laughs> reminding everyone that actually he is Asian American. Right. Um, Ali Wong is hilarious. Randall Park plays kind of a similar kind of guy who refuses to like, grow up mm-hmm. which is sort of fun um and they have really good chemistry it's just a, it's 
a good film. And I, I mean, Keanu is hilarious in that movie Keanu too. Is hilarious. Keanu is hilarious. Like people can, like, people might forget, you know, listen, I know we're all in love with John Wick and he wears a good scraggly beard and he kicks a lot of ass. He's charming. But. And funny. Ted Theodore Logan. Yeah. Is hilarious. I, I like that movie a lot. It's a good movie. That's a de- yeah. yeah that, that's a really really good one. Um, very funny, very smart. Um, it's got a great catchy little song at the end. Uh, if if you're if you're a person for uh for credit sequence songs, I went to my poll is kind of easy. Um, and it's another Sundance movie actually, but my brain watching this movie went straight to Five Hundred Days of Summer, mm, which yes. is another movie with a complaining guy at the center of it with a guy who's trying to sort out like what he should be doing. He didn't really grow up. He's, you know, got this fractured relationship in the middle. That's the key difference is he's got summer throughout the movie. Whereas also, Oh, a connection. Oh, Randall park first came, uh, into the attention of people starring in a gorilla web series called Ikea Heights. (laughs) <laughs> still on YouTube that was filmed in the Burbank Ikea where a scene from 500 days of summer also filmed. Nice. Nice. There you go. And in shortcomings, the guy who does that angry Ikea, like the dramatic, have you seen those videos where it's like the dramatic, like, Oh, you think blah, blah, blah. And then he like gets close to the thing. Yeah. And yeah. That guy's in uh, shortcomings. Ah, okay. So there you go. Lots, of connections. Lots of connections. Also go to Ikea if you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I love Five Hundred Days of Summer. I like that so that's one of my favorite rom coms ever. Um, I will fight anybody who says that the movie does summer dirty because it's all about a guy who would be so much better off if he listened. And yeah. the entire final conversation between him and Summer on the bench is a manifestation of his own imagination. So yeah, he's just he's just really delusional. Yeah. And and it's a good it's a good movie about you know and I think you can gender gender flip I don't I don't actually think it's just about men it's about anybody who projects their own shit version of somebody on somebody and yeah. and, and and thinks that the only way to have a, a, a the only like the keystones for a good relationship is the things you have in common I like his sister who's like just because you have a lot of weird shit in common doesn't mean you're made for each other you're yeah. a soulmate yeah. it's like. You need more than that. And I mean, it's still kind of too young to realize that, like, you I need more than that. I think subconsciously, I saw young Ryan in. Uh, oh, <laughs> in I that. saw myself in, in Tom. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, I, I I definitely saw myself in Tom. Yeah, I so, I'm I'm really really happy that I'm afraid I afraid to rewatch it. You know, it's I pick up something every time. I really really love it. It's one of my favorite films of this century. One of my favorite films of that decade that year. Um, did you have any others that you thought about would make a good? You know, I had two other sort of throw out ones. One I don't think is available. I saw it at a festival, but I wanted to put it on people's yes, radar please. in case it becomes available. It's called East Bay. It is technically from 2022. That's when it was playing festivals, but it actually was filmed in like a decade earlier. Right. Something like that. <laughs> okay. It has, it has pre-fame Constance Wu in it. And it's literally about a guy who um, 
lives in the Bay Area, wanted to be a filmmaker, kind of didn't do well with it. He's making this documentary. Constance Wu is a programmer at the Asian American, same Asian American Film Festival. It's the same East Bay, or same Bay Area Asian American Film Festival. Um, and it does the same thing where, like, at, there's a scene where um, he's brought his, you know, documentary that he's working on, and uh, they place it in, like, uh, the bins of, like, the kinds of films they're getting. And it, the joke is that, like, it's like uh, Asian American hood films and then like Asian American defying parents films. And like, there's like three different buckets of where, what they put all their films in. And like, it's a visual joke about gotcha. the kind of films that were being made and submitted to these festivals at the time. And I think right. it was being made a little bit after the original shortcomings um, uh, comic was released. So it was kind of, they were kind of riffing on the same specific film culture, Asian American film culture in the Bay Area. Okay. So, um, and the lead guy, it's, uh, he wrote, directed, starred, and his name's Daniel Yoon. He's very acerbic. Um, they also play, I want to say hockey <laughs> in it, um, which is fascinating. Okay. It's, it's, I don't know if this film will ever find the light of day. It's like one of those in festivals only. And then like, maybe it'll end up on Tubi, but like, hopefully, cause it, I, I was very charmed by it okay. and very impressed by his, point of view even if you don't like him he has such a strong point of view it's hard to not be like at least impressed yeah. by the guy mine it's 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 a weak connection but i i do think that they'd make an interesting double feature um and it's it's a better movie um and it's a better realization even though it has uh possibly more unlikable characters in it um but i wanted to pair this up with ghost world um oh, yeah. 2000 and three i think um terry's wig starring thora birch and um a, a really much younger scarlett johansson and of course the legend that is steve buscemi i was actually just re-watching it a, a week or two ago and the reason why i want to pair the two is um comic book movie has become a dirty phrase and yeah. i i want to remind people that just because it starts with something that has words and pictures doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be something that have capes and cowls. It's uh, I am a later convert in life to graphic novels and comic books. And mm -hmm. while, yeah, there are some that just crank themselves out month after month where nothing really changes. There's a lot of really interesting things within the art form. Um, especially when people tell, uh, singular stories, um, Ghost World as a comic book is a really, really interesting story. It's not somebody's lived experience the same way that Shortcomings is, um, but it turns into a really, really interesting film because you can see a lot of the panels. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm now really interested to see, um, to, to read the Shortcomings comic because there are some moments where I'm like, I bet you this was a panel, yeah. uh, you know? Uh, and that's the thing is, is I, the, it's, it's, those three words, comic book movie, are kind of getting spit out like a dirty phrase. Yeah. And there's still a lot of really interesting things to do when you take one and turn it into the other. Ghost World was definitely one, uh, like one of the best examples of that ever. Yeah, that's a great adaptation. Yeah. Um, and you had one more for us. What do you got? Yeah, yeah. So uh, because I was thinking of Sandra Oh from oh, yeah. the, the essay she wrote and also this is Canadian podcast. Um, uh, I wanted to recommend a Canadian film called Double Happiness. Uh, it's written and directed by Mina Shum. And um, 
Sandra Oh plays an actress named Jade, who is first generation Chinese Canadian. And she's dealing with the fact that her family doesn't really want her to pursue trying to be an actress. She's dealing with um, a lot of stereotyping of the roles. She's not Chinese enough for some of the roles she goes out to. Like she only, I think she only speaks Mandarin and she has to go out to a Cantonese one one time or she can speak it, but she can't read it, something like that. And then other ones where she's like, they ask her to put on the, you know, the Chinese accent. And, and so it deals with a lot of representation in, and from the other side of it, from the attempting to get into movies side of it. But also um, she falls, she meets a guy at a club and falls in love like at first sight, but he's white. And so then she has to deal with like, she's trying to be an actress and that like shames her parents, but now she's like, got, likes this white guy. And so it's like a lot of different similar factors to what is going on in shortcomings, but from specifically from a, a woman's point of view and a Chinese Canadian point of view. And Sandra Oh being, I think, She's actually Korean, Chinese, or Korean Canadian, but um, was it's, this, it's a fun film. It's on Tubi. Well, hold on. Was, it, was this was this in your Substack? Was it? Yes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm asking. I don't know. So yes, yeah, I recommended it a, a couple months ago when I watched it. Okay. Um, for anybody who doesn't already, um, Mariah writes an incredible piece every Friday where she loops up a bunch of films directed by women that are worth your time for reasons. Like it could be. A jumping off point could be something that's out there. A jumping off point could be something in the news. Um, it's 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 a really great little bit of curation. I think that's the one thing I really wish was happening in this age of so much material being so accessible. Yeah, it's just a little more curation in it all. That's yeah. why I love. I, that's why I call it the I call it the directive by women viewing guide weekly directed by women viewing guide it's specifically yeah. a guide to both what's in theaters or streaming or you know new yep. quote unquote and then things that i find along, along the way of, that all, all like, the like what we're doing now like if you like yeah. that you'll probably like this you might like this now <laughs> here's where it gets even funnier is anybody who happens to be listening to this who's a canadian listener um we have an app up here called cbc gem that Ooh. it's it's uh run by CBC, our national television and radio network. It's free. So I could watch this for free oh, right now. And I didn't it. even know it was there. So she, she won the uh, Genie Award for Best Actress. Of course she also. did. Yeah. I mean, she should be winning every award. Sandra Rose is amazing. She is. But, um, and can do literally every genre. But yeah. I, like, I didn't know anything about this movie. There, I found it because um, uh, I found a short she was in. On, from the same director on Criterion Channel. And then I was like, oh, what else has this director done? Oh, another Sandra Oh, oh it's on Tubi. And then I watched wow. it immediately, and it was it did not disappoint. Yeah, um, no, I've, so I've been I, thinking about Sandra Oh a lot because uh, on one of my, one of the services that I use last night has been on the splash page. An awful lot. Oh yeah, things about it. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 a it. it's a great film. So that that's my gift to you. Thank you. Okay. And, you know, your gift to me is um, you know your gift to me is double happiness. My gift to you is is last night. Um, yeah, Sandra I mean, O is a gift to everyone. Sandra, Sandra O is just a pure <laughs> straight up gift. Um, just a gift. Yeah, and um, there we go. Some some really great movies. Like you know, as I said, it's August. It's not the end of things. You know, there's lots of stuff out there. There's lots of stuff that you can find. Just kind of go a little bit past the splash page or, you know, go to cinema nine or 10 instead of whatever cinema one. Go to um, the smallest theater. One of the things I used to do in Berkeley 
That's why I miss these little theaters is I would find whatever's playing in the smallest theater and I would go. Yep. Yeah. What are you showing? All kinds of random stuff that way. Totally. That's, that's a great way to do it. Um, thank you so much for coming by. That is episode 311 of the matinee cast. Um, I'm so, so thankful that Mariah was able to come by. Um, come on back on uh, Monday, August 28th for episode 312. Uh, we might be talking about passages. I don't know what else is coming out in August. Um, bottoms. Bottoms. Oh, I don't know about Canada. We, but in you know, we get bottoms. it just a little bit too late. We yeah. get it at the beginning of September. Uh, yeah. And I'm already in, I'm already in break by then. Um, but we're, we're going to do one more show, uh, close off the season on August 28th. Might be passages, might be something different. Um, and come on back then. Um, Mariah is everywhere uh plug your wares and please got people go find your stuff yeah i'm old films flicker pretty much everywhere i'm on x aka <laughs> yeah, Twitter, yeah yeah uh instagram uh tumblr still and uh, substack and most recently blue sky i went letterbox obviously letterbox um are you still writing ebert yes i write for ebert i do a lot of interviews for ebert as well and then all kinds of other places if you happen to be a big fan of the oc it celebrated its 20th anniversary last week and i ranked all 92 episodes for vulture and that was i read that like not just several months of work but also 20 years culminating in <laughs> my saying my opinions are the only opinions on of the course OC. um <laughs> but it was super fun and it's apparently a 37 minute read so you might want to take a day off or something <laughs> to read it. I don't know. Um, but don't argue with me. It's my, my opinions are the opinion. Cause I've watched that show all the way through like 12 times. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> thank you. So no, you much. can argue, you can argue. It's, it's nope. Opinion. Nope. Your opinion goes, <laughs> I have in 13 years of us knowing each other, I have learned how this works and I am happy there for are it. Actually a few episodes directed by women also. So. Oh, how about that? Not my, as many as there should be. But, of course not. Yeah. My site is thematinee.ca for more audio content. You can find back episodes by going there, thematinee.ca. You can also find them in all the usual places, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, um, you name it, I'm there. If I'm not, let me know and I'll put it there. It's real easy. You can get handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Uh, sh- feedback on shortcomings can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email me, ryan at thematinee.ca. I'm still on X, whose branding has gone to shit because it's I keep terrible. looking for a blue and white icon and the black and white icon is just, my, my eyes are just going right past it. But you it. can find me there, matinee underscore CA, um, and, and let me know what you think. Any final thoughts, Mariah? Uh, I just reiterate, if you are so lucky to live near an art house theater you should just go yes please yeah just go do there, it there's there so many it's a dying industry and it shouldn't be it's still so magical so you, you get to meet some cool people there too like it's it's kind of a great way to just get out into the community yeah. um i mean you know shit sometimes if you're like me you drive like seven communities over because this one place on the east side of the city is playing the movie you want to see there was a one in berkeley i used to go to i had to take a bus to it and there was a pie place right next door and we get pie and go to the movie gotta do it and now the movie theater and the pie place are closed this is what it's happens when people don't go you it's know? Just a sad story that kept getting sadder <laughs> yeah it's it's no. <laughs> but thank you for it <laughs> on that note <laughs> for mariah i'm ryan only you can keep the pies shop and our house theaters <laughs> open only you we'll see you at the matinee <laughs>